Welcome to the Holy City Church Podcast Station. This is Pastor Angel. If you missed Sunday's sermon or want to listen to it again, you're in the right place. We're glad that you can take the time to catch up as we go through God's Word together. So I hope you're ready. But if you're not, grab your Bible. Let's get ready for what God has in store for us today. Church, join me there in Psalms 91. We read from, from it this morning. So grab your Bible and join me there in Psalms 91, and I'll pray to start. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for this time of worship that you've given us, that you've allowed us to be part of, Father. And now we pray that as we go into your word, Lord, that you may speak to us through your word, Father, that I, whatever word that I speak, Lord, may not be mine, but yours, Father. And I pray that you allow us to understand, Father, you allow us to, to understand, allow us to live, you allow us to, uh, to live this out, Father. We, allow, we ask you to allow us to, to share this with others, Father. Uh, we know that only in you can we find hope and peace, Father, and, and, and I know those who are searching for it, Father, will find it in you, Lord. Father, I pray uh, again that you continue to work in us as we go through this, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So I want to share a little bit, a uh, little secret about myself. Uh, I, am, I have a very bad fear of heights, like very bad, like it's really, really bad. I mean, I can't even look at someone who, who is on the edge or very high without me kind of getting anxiety, thinking, oh, what will happen if that person falls off? I remember uh, I would drive up when Beatrice used to live up in Washington, and I would drive up to or fly over there to go see her. And she would take us to this mall that has like 15 floors, starts underground and goes overground. And, you know, as I walked through the 15th floor, I walked all the way to the other side of the uh, of the floor, not close to, you know, whatever allows you to see to the bottom. And I wouldn't even let my kids get close to the edge. I'd be like, no, no, you're walking inside the store, not in the walkway. That's how much the fear of heights is. I remember uh, last house I sold, I had to do a little repair on the back roof, small roof, not nothing. It's not, it wasn't the top roof of the house, just the backyard roof, right? I mean, this is a job that, you know, patching a little corner could have taken me 15, 20 minutes. It took me almost an hour or two hours because, you know, I was like, no, I don't want to do this. I mean, you could look at me growing up down the stairs. You would think, you know, this guy's never walked up down the stairs before, or up a ladder. You know, this is the first time he's walked up a ladder. I never, you know, but I've walked up ladders many times, but I'm so scared of heights that it's difficult for me to even walk up a ladder. But at the same time, I love roller coasters. So, uh, you know, I don't know how that works, but I'll get on any roller coaster unless it's one of those cheap fair roller coasters. I would not get on any cheap fair roller coasters. I saw a video the other day of one of the, the boats that go back and forth tip over to the other side because of how bad it was. So I do not get on any of that. But I do get on any roller coasters. And my wife asks me all the time, how does that kind of work? You know, how do you... You're scared of height, like petrified of heights. I can't even think of 
of being uh, of being on top of a building or anything. Uh, and it's, whatever is going to turn, whatever is upside down loops, whatever is going to happen through the whole ride, I know I'm going to make it to the end because there's safety gear. There's something there that's guarding me, that's protecting me. I don't know if anyone's ever been familiar with uh, with the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's very popular, right? One of the the largest suspension bridge in the world. It's actually 8,981 feet long. So it's very long, very, very long. While they were building the bridge, there was many who lost their life in the process because what would happen is as they were building the bridge, they would fall to the water from 200 feet up in the air and they would die, they would kill themselves because you know something would happen, they would just fall. So because so much fear these men had working on that bridge, that project was always delayed. Everything was always behind schedule. There was nothing ever going on schedule, nothing ever finished because the workers were working scared. Anyone who fell off of that project was surely dead. Hey, why don't we put a net under the bridge, a very large net, in case somebody falls so they don't fall into the water. You know, it will catch them. So they did. They decided to build a $100,000 net under the working area, under the construction area. And $100,000 during that time, it's a lot of money. This was many, many years ago. I think it was during the uh, uh, Depression period, I think it was. One of those, a uh, long time ago. So they did. They had somebody build it. They installed it. So immediately, as soon as that was installed, you saw the, the instant change, the instant uh, you can notice instantly the change in the workers. They were no longer scared because if they will fall, the net will catch them. So they were working with certainty that whatever happens, they were going to fall. If they will fall, but for any reason, there was a safety net. There was a security. There was something in there that would help them. So the project will continue, and it was finally starting to. So things got done because there was a chance that if they fall, they weren't going to get hurt. And this is exactly what we see in chapter 91. This is what chapter 91 is talking about. It talks about how we can find safety as we walk in this life. We all know this life is not easy. This is a difficult life that we walk in. But as we walk, we find safety. So that's why I titled this sermon, Safety in His Shadow. And this Psalm 91 doesn't specify a specific writer. Uh, we don't really have much information on who wrote this, but the way the Psalms were put together is credited to Moses because the chapter 90 is written by Moses. So usually they say, well, if chapter 90 is written by one person and the second, next chapter doesn't have an, a writer a name speci specified to it, kind of inherits whoever wrote the chapter before. So, you know, people say that, uh, scholars say that this was written by Moses. Uh, some scholars even go to say that Moses wrote this while he was entering, entering the tabernacle. He was so scared of being in there that he would sing this and say this uh, prayer uh, so he can find uh, strength. And, and we're going into battle. Now, neither one of those two have been confirmed. So take it or leave it. Uh, it's up to you. But either way, the intention is that we are to be reminded of ourselves or who God is. And when things are scary, we know who is there. And as you read Psalms, you're going to notice, as you read the Psalm, 
you're going to notice uh, how it communicates the theme of God's protection and rescue from danger. Now, let's look at what Psalms 91 is saying. And it's, it's, it's 16 verses. It seems long, but it's not a very difficult chapter to, to understand, right? It's, it's almost very, it's almost too simple, right? So let's start in verse 1. Who does this apply to? Who benefits from whatever it is that uh, the writer wrote on here? And right from verse 1, he says, He who dwells in the shelter high will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So understand that this psalm here is written by Moses. He wrote it for himself to use. Okay, we got to make sure we remember that, right? He used it so he can find uh, peace in what he was doing. This psalm is written expressing what he himself looks to in the moment of difficulties. It is for him finding safety and protection in God. But at the same time, he includes along with him, says, those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High and those who abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So he says, those who dwell and those who abide And it means to remain, to sit, to inhabit. Those who, who remain, who sit, who inhabit. So he's including everyone who inhabits or remains in the shelter of the shadow of God. Those are different names for God. So basically the believer. Those who believe in God. Those who call themselves believers. But not just any believer. Because we all know many call themselves believers, yet they come and go from that shelter as they please. He's referring to those who see God and cry out to God as their refuge, which is a place where they can flee to, and a fortress, which is like a castle. So it's those who say and cry out to God, you are my Home of protection. You are my castle. It is for those who find security in God. And not only in God. And not uh, only, and only in God. And not in their own circumstances. So it goes beyond just someone who, who says they believe. It just goes beyond someone who says. Hey yeah I believe in God. Right I believe God exists. Right it goes That's because those who abide in God know that they can expect to find God and they can expect to find God's protection. And this is true faith. This is a true believer. When we're in a scary situation, you trust in God. And that is who is the writer here talking about. This starts, who's going to benefit from everything that I'm about to read? Everything that he writes, who is the benefit from this? Those who truly live in Christ, in God. Now, those who are dwelling and abiding, they find favor. 
right? Because that's what this is about. Now, the psalmist describes the specific ways that God protects and cares. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. So here, the writer is using a metaphor. It's like saying, I will uh, deliver you from the trap that's being set by the trapper, by whoever is setting the trap. This, of course, we understand is to be the devil, right? Those who are trying to come after you is usually the devil, right? He's always working in secret, changing, you know, different traps and methods to kind of put in you in situations. If you ever read that book uh, from, I forgot his name. I can't believe I just drew a blank on his name. What is his name? No, the C.S. Lewis. Lewis, right? And he, he goes into the mind of, what demons have conversations about. Of course, this is a fictional book. Mm-hmm. Uh, screw tape letters, right? Uh, so you can kind of see how they, they're always constantly looking for ways to setting you up in a place where you're going to fail. In anything that is life-taking harm. So anything that will, that will destroy your life. And I want you to... Hang on with me here, okay? I get it. This is something that you're not used to listening to because I don't really preach this here, right? But this is more than what it seems, so bear with me here, okay? I can kind of see you. It's like, wait a second. Are we preaching uh, what everybody else is preaching? We're always criticizing those churches, but hey, what's going on here? Just bear with me, right? Look what else he says. Verse 4, he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. So this is another metaphor. God is represented as a bird sheltering his chicks under his wings. His protection is gentle and covered like a mother bird's feathers. And this is talking about protection. He's going to protect you. And the protection is going to come in the form of his faithfulness. And his faithfulness is going to be like a warrior that goes to war. He puts on an armor, right? You all know that back in those times, right? We, they would go out with armor. They just wouldn't go out with, with uniform. They would go out with the armor. That was their uniform, the armor. And then they would go out with a shield. So God's faithfulness is your hand shield and also your buckler, your, your body armor. So God is your body armor and he is your shield. And the writer goes on to provide an example of, of a threatening situation in verse 5 and 6. He said, you will not fear the terror at night, nor the hour that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. You know, I tend to think that nights to me are like the worst. Everything that can possibly go wrong, to me, it happens at night. Like, you know, that's why when it starts to get dark, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. What's going to happen? But difficulties can come at any time of day. It could be the day, it could be the night. So the psalmist says that he will not fear the unknown that will come at night 
nor will he fear the attacks that will come during the day, nor any sickness or destruction. He's not going to fear anything. He's not going to fear anything that comes from uh, in the day or from the night. This means no matter what it is and where it's coming from or what time is coming, he says God is going to protect you, so don't be scared. Don't be scared. Whatever comes into your life, wherever situation it is, don't be scared. As a matter of fact, he continues, verse 7, but it will not come near you. You will only look at your, with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. So even if death of thousands of people are falling around you, even if there's, there's because the idea he is here is, is this outrageous amount of, of just bad things, right? Or, or, or amount of just people dying, right? We, we can kind of look at it and be like, well, you know, people are dying next to me. What's going on? Everybody's dropping dead, right? That's what is the idea is. All this crazy thing can be happening around you. COVID. <laughs> That's what he's saying. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. He has power to save those who dwell in him. God is far greater than man, and at the end, you will. Don't worry. He's going to be there with you. This is so powerful that he repeats it in nine in verse. All this is so powerful, he repeats himself in, in verses 9 and 10. But then he goes on in verse 11, and he adds, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will not tread on the lion and on the adder. The young lion and the serpent will be trampled underfoot. He's saying God will command the angels to guard your way and lift you up so therefore you won't trip. I'm not saying you have a guardian angel. Okay, I'm saying you have a bunch of angels. That's what I'm saying. You will. So now we go to verse 14. And God here is speaking himself. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him. Because he knows my name, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Hear what he's saying. Because he holds fast to me. And because he knows my name. This means that because we have intimacy with God, 
That means if we have a relationship with God, not if we just show up and go. Husband, your wife once a month. Hey, how are you? Let's have a 15-minute conversation about how the last couple of weeks has gone by. Not just show up for a doctor visit, right? We all know doctor visits back in the days. They show up to your house. They do a quick scan of you. Oh, he's okay. And they leave here, take some medicine, right? Those are called doctor visits, right? You go visit your family member. And, hi, hi, will you do? Everything's good. All right, I got to go back. Right? That's not what we're talking about. This is a relationship with God. This means that one who has true faith will have true godly center relationship with him. And because you do, he will deliver you, he will protect you, he will answer you, he will be with you, he will rescue you and honor you, he will sanctify you. And you're going to find sanctification, salvation in him. And I'm not saying, right, that you're going to find salvation only when you go, right? It's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying he's going to love, he's going to save you because you love them. But that you're going to notice, you're going to see in your life. Because he revealed it to you. And it's not on your own doing. Now many love these psalms. This is my wife's favorite psalm. To me this is a difficult psalm. Not to understand, but it's a difficult psalm to talk about. Spurgeon actually speaks about this psalm. He says, in the whole collection, there is one more, there's not a more shearing psalm. Its tone is elevated and sustained through, uh, throughout faith at its best and speaks nobly. But we have to be very careful with this psalm. I mean, I can see in some of your eyes, we're like, oh, where are we going with this? Because... It's so easily to misuse and take out of context. For example, Satan purposely tried to use it out of context where he tempted Jesus. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their heads, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. So Satan knows this psalm pretty well, better than most of us. And he tried to use it against Jesus himself. It's like, hey, don't worry. Just jump. He's going to protect you. Don't worry. Nothing's going to happen to you, right? But Jesus responded. He said, you should not put the Lord your God to test. And many churches take this psalm and do exactly what Satan tried to do. Misuse it. They try to use it the way it's not intended it to. They teach that if you have this type of faith and this type of trust, go out and do whatever you think your desire is, whatever it is, how hard it is, don't worry. God's got you. They even have this saying that says, you're never safer, you know, you're never safer than when you are with God. I mean, you're, you're with God, so no worry. You're, you're, you can't be any more safe. So go out and, and conquer the world. 
mean, we saw this throughout the pandemic, right? Every Christian tele televangelist, right, was talking about it. God will not let COVID into your life. All you have to do is proclaim it. Don't worry. There's everyone's dying of COVID, but don't worry. You're not going to get COVID. So then what do we do with this psalm? Because I've actually seen the complete opposite. And I'm always talking about the complete opposite is going to happen. Come to Christ. Okay. Now join a ministry. Let's see what happens. It all goes downhill from there. We still see believers. Many of the believers who still get COVID. Some even die from it. I know two pastors in, in our denomination died from COVID. And one had almost a whole family die from it. We still see believers get burned, beaten, and killed because of the same faith that we're talking about. We see believers die all the time. I have yet to see one person live, you know, to 900 and been here forever. So every believer has died, up to now at least. We still see believers suffer, and they go through trials. So is this just a pep talk? Is, is this writer just, you know, giving a speech to himself so he can feel better? You know, many atheists say that the religion was something men created just so we can feel better, and we can feel good when difficult situations come. Is this it? Is this what we're talking about? Is this just something he made up so he can feel better? And a lot of people say, well, you got sick because you didn't have enough faith. But that's not the case. There's truth in here. The problem is that we don't understand the truth behind what's written. So to understand it, we first have to go to the New Testament to really understand what's happening here. And of course, we got to go to Jesus himself. We got to learn from Jesus. Look at the way Jesus lived. I always tell people, look, don't look at the way Christians live. Look at the way Jesus lives. There's no more, there's not one person more qualified to reflect what was written here than Jesus himself. No one is more qualified than Jesus to reflect exactly what he's talking here. He dwelt and he abided. In the most high. And he did it perfectly. He didn't mess up once. He didn't make a mistake once. He did it perfectly. Better than any. Oh, he lived perfectly. Jesus still went through temptations. He still had trouble. Trials. Jesus suffered. We all know this. He was arrested and mocked. He could have gotten down from the cross if he wanted to. He could have. He could have sent legions of angels to rescue him. Yet he still died on the cross. But you see what the psalm says 
was true of Jesus because that is exactly what needed to happen. That's exactly what God allowed to happen because that's exactly how he was going to be glorified. And everything was being done for the good. Jesus' suffering in this world and his death in this world, though it looks bad, you're like, wait a second. How? He, he, was, he was beaten. He suffered. It looks bad, but it was actually his victory. That that happened to Jesus, everything that happened to Jesus was his victory. Of course, we got to look at the whole picture. Not just one event at a time. You got to see the whole picture. So now that we, we have this, this from Jesus, we've seen, we looked at Jesus. Now you have to understand suffering in the big picture. Because not all suffering is bad. We know that was the case for Jesus. We also know that's the case for us who love him. Right? If you read Romans 8.28, those who love him, everything will work out for the good for those who love him. We just need to understand that we usually don't always see the full picture. We're not seeing the whole picture. We only see, you know, this from this point of view. We don't see God's point of view. So we may think something bad is happening in your life and you'll be like, this is terrible. And it sure feels like it. I'm not going to disagree. But it may actually be good. We need to look at the situation and what exactly we're being saved and protected and delivered from. When we look at everything that's written, this is clear in the tape of Satan trying to pull you away from God. Away from your victory. Away from your eternal life with Christ. But those who are truly in Christ can't ever be separated from God's love. Those who are dwelling in God and abide in His shadow will never be plucked out of His hand. So the only bad circumstance for a believer is that which separates us from God. But since he is faithful, we know that's not going to happen. There's nothing in this world that can separate us from God. He's going to protect us. So whatever comes to your life is actually good. And he's going to get you closer to God. And that's your victory. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about it. You know, somebody was like, hey, you know, Africa and these other countries are always suffering. There's always, you know, Haiti is always some disease or, or some destruction, right? And you look at these countries and Africa is actually one of the countries that's grown the most in conversion. Most people in Africa know Christ. And this is a suffering country. What does that say? You may be thinking you're losing, but you're actually winning. 
He's protecting you from those traps, the destructions, the terror that's designed to separate you from God. That's what he's doing. That's what he's talking about. So when those things do come, like they've come to every single one of us here, we've all experienced this, especially the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months, just this year, many of us here, we know at least three people in this church who's lost a family member. So when all that does come, it's not because you didn't abide. It's not because you didn't have enough faith. It's actually the opposite. Because you're abiding in God. And even if you die from it, you're actually being protected. And finally, you, you must remember that there is victory in the end. There's victory in death. My wife told me something her mom told her once. And I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase it and, and translate it because she only speaks Spanish. So I, I heard this in Spanish. But she said, I would rather, this is she said to, to, to my wife, right? She said, I would rather have God take you home right now. So she, she said, I would rather you die right now. And go to heaven, they see you lose your soul by staying here. I mean, you hear that, you're like, wow, that's a bit tough. I wouldn't want to see my kid die at all. You know what I'm saying? But you're saying, I'd rather you die and go to heaven than stay here and lose your soul. If that would have been the case. So even in death, if God allowed death in your life because of a disease or any circumstance... Going home to be with God is better than anything you will ever accomplish in this world. You say, wait a second. I'm dying here. What, how, where's my victory? Wait, aren't you going with God? Where else would you want to be? Where else? You can ask Kim, Kim's mom, Kim's grandma. Sorry, Kim's grandma. She was a believer. And I'll ask her, how is she doing? Like she's ready to go. Of course she's ready to go. Where do you think she knows where she's going? She don't want to be here no more. She knows where she's going. She wants to be there. She's going through all that, but she knows my victory is there. God has protected me. I haven't lost my soul because of anything. Nothing has come to me that I've lost from being in God's hand. So I want to be there. If you're in Christ, death brings you into his presence forever. He has promised to keep you safe enough to keep you forever when you will forever be free from all the circumstances. He has promised that he's going to keep you from anything that's going to separate you from him. That way you're going to be forever in a place where you don't have to deal with any circumstances. You're not going to have any diseases. You're not going to have any trouble. You're not going to have any pain. You're not going to see death. That's the victory. Now let me ask you this. Imagine you're living your life with no safety net. 
Imagine you're living out your life and you don't have a safety net with you. How hard is that? It's like walking through life with no hope. And we all know that God hasn't called us to live an easy life or a pain-free life or to live our best life. He hasn't called us for none of that. So imagine living this walk that's difficult with no safety net. I'd be afraid to do anything. I'll be afraid to get up here and preach the gospel. I'll be afraid to tell my friends about Jesus. I'll be afraid to do anything because of the outcomes that come from it. But we live in the safety of his shadow. We can feel confident in the work God is doing and the work that God has sent us to do. And we can dare to attempt those big and difficult things he's called us to do. Whatever he's called you to do that seems like it's big and scary for us to do, we can go do it. We have a safety net. We can dare to live a holiness and an obedient life. It's scary to be obedient to God. Especially now, I'm sorry, I'm, it's petrifying to be obedient to God. Because everything, you're obedient to God, everything's going to go against uh, what's happening in, in, in our neighborhoods and our society today. Most of everything almost. Being obedient to God is going to get you in trouble right now. But we can dare to live in that way. We can live like that because we know that whatever comes, whatever happens, he will hold us unto him and he will keep us safe. And we're never going to lose our victory. And let me tell you something that's, that's, that we easily forget. No matter how great our, adversar our adversity sorry, we face, no, no matter how big our circumstances are, God is bigger. He's always in control. And he's always going to be in control. So we must trust in him completely in everything and with everything. Trust in his protection because nothing comes if not first before him. There's nothing going to come to your life if it didn't already pass through him first. And we see that in Job. He had to ask permission to do anything to Job. Nothing is going to come into your life unless he knows and he allowed it. Or he ordained it in some cases. Trust in his power because he gives us strength to deal with all circumstances. Trust in God's peace because no matter what the storm comes, we can find the inner calm in him. So if you do dwell and abide in him, walk that narrow path. Walk that narrow path confidence. Walk it in confidence knowing the path no matter what twists and turns it's going to come with, no matter loops, no matter how many spins, no matter how many turns that path it's going to take you through, you're going to make it to the end because you have that safety gear. 
And if you don't already do so, I encourage you to seek. But truly seek because you will find only when you truly seek. Because many say, yeah, I've searched for God. Have you really? Have you really? Or are you just finding a way to say God is not real? Because we could do that. Yeah, I've seeked the Bible. I've read it 300 times. Have you? What are you looking for? Truly seek because you, when you truly seek, you're going to find. And you're going to see that there is no greater sense of peace than being in Christ. Because you're going to understand this. You're going to understand Psalm 91. You're going to be like, okay, yeah, I might get sick. You know, I might be dying. But the promise is in the eternal. And the promise is that you will never be ripped away from God. I mean, imagine not having that safety gear where at any point the enemy can come and take you away from God. That's scary. That at any point in my life, something will come in my life and that's it. I'm no longer saved. That's scary. But know that in Christ, we have that promise. That no matter what comes... Nothing's going to separate you from God. And you're going to have victory at the end. Even if it's in death or even if it's physically here. Because we know he's, he heals people. And we know he's coming back as well. So whether you die or not, we have victory. So church, pray with me. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for your promises. Thank you for allowing us to, to share this, this love and this hope that we find in you with those around us, Father. Father, continue to remind us this. Allow us to, to, to just write this psalm in our hearts, Lord, so whenever anything's coming that's scary, as we go through the things that are scary, or, or we know somebody who's going through something scary, Father, that we, we can look at this and say, God, I, I'm not scared. Because whatever comes, at the end of the day, you're going to protect us. And you're going to be there. And you're going to guide us. So we don't trip. You're going to lift us when we're down. And one day we know that we're going to see you. So, Father, whether you are healing us here, Father, or you're just taking us home with you, whatever it is, Father, we, we just ask that you continue to allow us to remember this, that at the end of everything we have victory if we dwell and abide in you. Father, again, thank you for who you are and what you've done. Hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, would like to connect or listen to our library sermons, jump right over to our website at www.holycitychurch.us. Again, we want to thank you for listening. And remember, this podcast is not intended to replace your time at the church. So we hope you have a blessed week. And talk to you again next week on Catch Up with Holy City Church.